Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. We live in a, a fearful time for a lot of people to where they may feel like they need to pedal faster to try and get out of their circumstances, out of the problems that they see in our, our culture and our world. A lot of people are really fearful about tomorrow because of all the negative things you hear on the news, whether it be about the economy or struggles between nations or whatever it might be uh, on the world scene. Uh, and in a more public arena, we just see a lot of reasons for fear. And that's not even taking into consideration the individual circumstances that people are facing in their own lives, where they themselves have reasons for fear uh, in their own lives. We're living in a time that increasingly, I think, Christians can even find maybe more reasons to be fearful than what you used to be able to see. We've stepped into a new year, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago is maybe a good thing for some of you because you're thinking, thank God I'm getting away from that stuff in 2016. But the reality is we can't see ahead and know what's coming up around the bend in 2017. And you don't have any idea what you might face, what the difficulties might be. One of the increasing reasons for fears that I think we have as Christians is this, and it's the fear of persecution, the fear of persecution. For various reasons in the world that we live in, you can look at the worldwide scene in the Middle East and groups such as ISIS and things like that that are persecuting Christians, trying to take over, trying to impose their Sharia law, and Christians are being martyred and murdered and driven out of their homes, and that's happened for, for months. And really, I don't think we hear enough about that in the news, maybe. You have those reasons to be concerned. But even in our own nation, when we listen to our culture, it seems to me that more and more, increasingly, we're hearing Christianity portrayed in a negative light whether it be by Hollywood or uh, by political groups or by the news media or whatever, it just seems like more often when Christianity is brought to head on the news, it's like they're presenting it negative. Sometimes we earn that. Amen? Sometimes we've brought that upon ourselves. But a lot of this is taking place simply because there's this building resistance to Christianity. And the thing that is really strange to me, you've heard the, the phrase, politics makes strange bedfellows before. The thing that, that, that is really challenging in my mind is that some of the same groups that are really, really supportive of like the homosexual agenda in our land, those same groups are also kind of making positive stands for Islam. <laughs> and I can't rationalize my mind how that can work and fit, because if you were to take people who are openly practicing homosexuality to the Middle East and give them to ISIS, you want to know what's going to happen to them? 
They're going to lose their head or be thrown off the top of a building. There's abundant videos that have been put out that that shows that. So I can't rationalize in my mind how you can be liberal in this element towards something like homosexuality, but then you're, you're saying, well, we need to be tolerant of Islam. While you won't hear this on the news very much, and this really isn't what the message is about, I'm just giving you these as examples of why maybe Christians are fearful of persecution. You might not hear this on the news a lot, but here's the truth. The agenda of radical Islam is to force everyone in the world to live under Sharia law, and they're willing to destroy anyone who refuses that agenda. We might not like that. We might, you know, you might think, well, preacher, you're being intolerant today. No, I'm being truthful with you today. That's what they want to do. They want to force you to live underneath their set of laws. And if you're not willing to, they won't think one bit about wiping you out. The Arabic word for Islam itself means surrender. That's what their goal is. They want everyone in the world to surrender to them. Now, I know some of their mind might be thinking, well, Christianity's been guilty of that sometimes too, like in the Crusades and things like that. You know, that that's true. We've made mistakes like that. Christianity, people have under the name of Christ and made mistakes like that. But in the world we live in today, while we feel like we need to lead people to Jesus because the Bible clearly teaches there's only one name under heaven whereby men must be saved, we feel like that we're called as Christians to evangelize the world We don't go out and kill people if they say no to Jesus. So the reason I I dealt with that just for a minute is just to establish in your mind that I think there are abundant reasons why in the day that we live in that, that Christians maybe fear some form of persecution. It might be revealed in someone making fun of you at work because you say you're a Christian or because you make some type of Christian stand and it could manifest itself in you losing your life because you have said you're a Christian. That's a possibility that's happening in parts of the world, and there's no guarantee that it could not happen to you or me. A serious result, though, and this is the main thing I want you to get today, I think, as we go through a a text I'm going to read in a moment. A serious result that we need to avoid is this. We do not need as Christians, as believers, to be so fearful of persecution that we allow it to affect our Christian witness. That we allow it to affect our Christian lifestyle. We we don't need to cave in so much to the fear of persecution that we are afraid to make stands for Christ. So the title of the message today is this, Persecution, Have No Fear of Them. I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 through 33. In just a minute, we're going to see what brackets this passage of Scripture. I'm going to deal a little bit with the verses in front of it and the verses behind it in the first point of the message. But look what Jesus said to his disciples. He, he said, so have no fear of them. Now, you'll see in just a moment the them that he's talking about will be people who's going to persecute the disciples. And in this section of Scripture, Jesus is not just telling the disciples, you're going to face immediate persecution. He is doing that, but he's also looking future tense even for us still yet today to where persecution will exist on a huge basis against Christianity coming up in the future in our world. So he says, have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed. 
or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who's in heaven. We're going to take those verses and, and break them down and, and hopefully find some reasons why you and I can make the proper stand whenever we face persecution. To, to give some answers as, as to why, when we are facing persecution, why we ought to be able to face it the right way. Why we ought to be able to face it still standing for our faith. Here, here's the first reason. We need to expect to face persecution and conflict as a follower of Christ. You need to expect it to happen. You're going to see in a moment Jesus warns us that it will happen. You see, here's kind of the, the point behind that. If you're told up front to expect something and you know what's going to happen, then it will not so destroy you or discourage you when it takes place. Amen? Because you've been warned. So when it takes place, don't act like, hey, I shouldn't be going through this. I thought when I trusted Christ and my Savior, everything would be a cakewalk. I thought my life would be smooth. I thought everything was going to be roses in my life once I trusted Christ and my Savior. And that is not what the Bible teaches at all. Look, look at what Jesus says here in the passage that comes right before the verses I just read. Because this, on the front side of those verses, on the back side of the verses, Jesus is really talking about persecution. He looks at his disciples and he says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, I'm just telling you up front, that sounds like it's not going to be fun, right? That, that sounds like he's giving a warning to them that things are going to be difficult. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before the governors and the kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. I want you to catch something. He's telling his disciples, this will happen, but here's why it's happening. Because you're going to bear witness of me before them. Then he goes on and he says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Now let me run a rabbit just for a minute. I have heard, <laughs> and I was told this when I was in Bible college by my homiletics professor, that there are a lot of people in the world, some pastors in the world, that believe you don't need to study to get ready to preach a message. You just get up and do it because God will give you what you're supposed to say. They misinterpret what this passage of Scripture was. I wish that were true. It would save me about 25 hours a week <laughs> if that were true. But I also find in the Bible we're to study to show ourselves approved. Amen? So, you see, the context here is facing persecution. Don't worry about what you'll say in that moment because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. 
He said, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Now, as I said a moment ago, this passage deals directly with the disciples of Jesus, what they will face immediately, but it also looks future tense to persecution that's going to happen. And he says, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So you see, he's also talking future tense. The, the, the Jews, those who believe in Christ, in the great persecution, in the great tribulation, they're going to be proclaiming the gospel. And he's saying, if you're being persecuted, if, if it's being resisted, go to the next town. Because guess what? You're not going to have a chance to get it all done before I come back. Then he goes on. And here's the thing I want you to key in on. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, and here's what Jesus is saying, hey, they've called me Satan. They've, called, they've accused me of doing the works that I'm doing by the power of Satan. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So just up front, think about this. Jesus warns his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep before a bunch of wolves. But he tells them this, don't be surprised when they mistreat you because they mistreated me. They rejected Jesus. They abused Jesus. They nailed Jesus to a cross. And Jesus says, if they treated me like that, if they talked about me like that, if they spread erroneous rumors about me like that, who are you to think that your life is going to be easy? Who are you to think that you're going to escape persecution and you're going to escape conflict? See, a lot of people will shut down when conflict comes their way, thinking that'll help them escape persecution. Well, if you shut down trying to get away from conflict... You might get away from conflict with men, but I'd rather avoid conflict with God myself. Amen? Instead of being so worried about men, and we'll see that theme as we go through this whole passage. So Jesus warns up front. Look at the passage of Scripture that comes after our focal passage today. Uh, I've already focused on that. Let's go to the next one, please. Uh, He said, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those in his own household. He's saying you can't even avoid conflict with people you love because some will trust Christ, some will not, and there's going to be this friction and persecution that takes place. He goes on and says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. In other words, you're trying to preserve your life yourself. You're worried about preserving it by avoiding persecution. But Jesus says this, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So so the first step in us dealing correctly with persecution when we face it in our life, whether it be someone making fun of you at work because you're a Christian, someone making sport of you, someone making light of your faith, or someone wanting to take your life because you're a Christian, you need to remember up front, Jesus said it will happen. 
You cannot escape all persecution and conflict. That is completely impossible. We live in a fallen world. The best things can be, you're going to have conflict. And the only way to try and escape fully conflict and persecution as a believer would be to just completely avoid standing for Christ. But when you do that, guess what? You have sinned against Him. You've, you've allowed your worries about what people think about you to be larger in your life than what you are concerned about what God thinks about you. And you'll wind up living your life trying to be a people pleaser instead of living your life trying to please Jesus. So we need just to expect up front that persecution is going to come because Jesus warns us and he tells us that it will come. If you expect something, if you know it's on the way, don't let it so tear you up and apart and shut you down and shut down your faith when it happens because you've been pre-warned. Amen? Second thing that we can see in our passage of Scripture, picking right back up in the verses that I read, that can help us stand the way we should for Christ, even in the face of persecution. It's something that Jesus tells his disciples in verse 26. He more or less tells them this, have no fear of persecution because everyone and everything will be exposed. Jesus said in verse 26, so have no fear of them. Once again, who's the them? It's those that are persecuting. The disciples, it's those that will persecute believers that he just talked about. Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. See, here, here's what tends to happen when someone decides they are going to be against you, especially against your Christian faith. They want to find some way to attack your reputation or to attack your character. Because they think they can minimize what you say you believe if somehow they can invalidate the Christian faith that you say you have if they point at your life and say, look there. See the way they live. See the way they have fallen. See what's going on in their life. They, they will try and attack Christians because they think by attacking us in our lifestyle and the way we live, that will cause us to get so worried about what people think about us, what we might be facing in our life, that we'll go into shutdown mode. Well, here's what Jesus is telling his disciples. He's saying, don't worry about what someone might say about you. Don't worry about what someone might even do to you. Because Jesus said, even though they might be doing it in the secret, it's going to be made known. The enemy likes to attack us in the darkness. But one day, and it might not be in this life, I want to tell you up front, just because Jesus said that doesn't mean someone persecuting you is going to be revealed in this life as being wrong. But I am telling you this, there is coming a day that it will be fully exposed. If someone has attacked your character wrongly, if someone is, is trying to attack your reputation wrongly, and they're doing it because they're especially wanting to stand against the, the, the Christianity that you say you stand for, the Christ that you say you've trusted in, don't let the fear of that keep you from standing for Christ because there's coming a day when it will be made fully right. God will set everything right someday. Amen? They lied about Jesus. In the trial of Jesus, they had false witnesses to come and say things about him in his trial. And God has made 
known what the truth is about Jesus, so the same thing will happen for us. He will make everything known one day. Everything will be set right. Everyone will be exposed one day. So don't allow your fear of what someone says or what someone does to you to keep you from standing for Jesus. God will take care of it sometime. God will take care of it. There's coming a day that Paul writes about it. He said, on that day... When according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. There's coming a day that everything will be set right. That everything and everyone will be exposed. So don't let the fear of others paralyze you to where you're afraid to stand for Christ. Third thing we need to see is this. Don't allow the fear of persecution to silence your Christian voice. Jesus tells his disciples more or less that in the verse we're going to read here in just a moment. Don't let the fear of persecution cause you to shut down and not share the gospel. Don't let the fear of persecution cause you to go into a shell and try and hide your Christian faith because you're afraid of what others might say or what others might do to you. Jesus said this in verse 27, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Now, Jesus many times would teach his disciples in parables. Sometimes you refer to those as dark sayings. The reason Jesus was doing that, he was wanting to teach them something, and everyone standing around the peripheral, Jesus didn't want them to figure this out yet. It was just for his disciples. Sometimes a parable was so perplexing, the disciples would come and say, Jesus, we have no idea what you just said. (laughs) And Jesus would explain it to them to where they could understand. So, so Jesus was whispering to his disciples in private, and he tells them this, what I have whispered to you in the dark, don't keep it in the dark. There's coming a time that I want you to share it abroad. Now, the timing needed to be right, because sometimes Jesus told the disciples, and he told people that he had healed and things like that. He told them, don't go tell anyone yet. Why? The timing was wrong. But we live in a day and time that we've been given the Great Commission. We live in a day and time that we have been told to tell everybody. So you and I need to tell everybody. He told his disciples, what I whisper to you in the dark, tell out in the light. He, he, he said, what I have told you, what I've taught you in secret, go and stand on a rooftop and proclaim it loudly and boldly for everyone to hear. So in that verse, Jesus is more or less telling his followers this. He's saying, what I've whispered to you is not to be just for you. What I have told you in secret, don't keep it crammed down in your own heart and in your own life. He's told his disciples, I want you to go out and I want you to proclaim it loudly from the rooftop. And you may be wondering, well, how does that apply to us? Here's how it applies to us. The Holy Spirit of God, the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, came to live in your life. Yes, He's our comforter, but He's also our teacher. He's also our guide. And He gives us the things of God. And He teaches us the things of God. And what He teaches us in silence, just between us and God, as He teaches us, that's not to be kept crammed down in your life. No matter, even if you're facing persecution, you're to spread it in the light. You're to stand on the rooftop and proclaim what God said and not allow the persecution threat to silence your voice. Jesus said, don't be afraid of them. You see, he's got a gospel for us to share. The, the gospel message has to be shared. It has to be 
carried forth the gospel, mission must be accomplished. Our task, and man, if we could just get this down, it would help us. Our task as Christians is not to please men. Our task is to please God. Our task is not to live in such a way that no one says anything bad about you, or no one confronts you about your Christian faith, or no one hurts your little feelings, you know? (laughs) I saw a thing that someone posted this week on one of the motorcycle sites, and it showed the uh, the sergeant from a full metal jacket, and uh, I can't use the language that he used there. <laughs> but he was looking at someone and say, you know, say more or less, you need a hug? Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of Christians living like that. It's like, it's like they're afraid. They're, they're living in fear. But we can't allow the fear that we have to silence our Christian voice. Look at the parallel statements that that he made there in in that verse. Dark and light, what you hear whispered and proclaimed from the housetop. What that does is describe a bold public proclamation of the gospel, of the truths that Jesus teaches us we need to share with other people. Our task isn't to please men. Our task isn't to avoid the persecution of men. Our task is to proclaim the gospel message. That's what he has called us to. Next, number four, from this passage of Scripture that we're looking at, can give us some, some help, some information to, to prepare us for persecution when we face it. Jesus more or less tells his disciples, fear God and not people. Fear God and not people. In verse 28, he said, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The word that he uses for fear means to frighten, to be alarmed, but it also is used to describe this, to be in awe of, to be in reverence of. The King James translates it like to be sore afraid, to fear exceedingly, or to have reverence. You see, the people that might persecute you, you're not supposed to be so afraid of them that you're standing in awe of them that you're revering them in some way, that you're trying to cow down to them in some way rather than stand for Christ. We're not supposed to revere them. We're supposed to revere God. Amen? We're supposed to revere Jesus. He's the one that we're supposed to fear. Not people. We're supposed to respect God, to reverence God, to stand in awe of Him To the point, even if we're facing persecution in our lives, we're still going to stand for him no matter what comes. No matter what we might be facing in our lives. We need to remember to fear God and not people. See, we need to allow our fear of God, our being in awe of God, to be the motive for the way you live your life, not the fear of people. If you do it the opposite, if you're living your life based upon the fear of people, then you're going to base your life upon what other people think about you. You're going to base your actions and the way you live your life about what other people think about you. That's not the way God has called us to live. I'm supposed to be more concerned about what God thinks about me than I'm concerned about what anybody else thinks about me. And I'm supposed to be willing to stand for Him and be in awe of Him, no matter what type of persecution you may face. Now, let me deal with something here, because some people get this really wrong. He said, 
Don't fear those that can just kill the body. Instead, fear the one that can kill the body and the soul. Who is that? Somebody say Satan. Oh, no. (laughs) Satan is not our judge. God is our judge. Satan can tempt us. Satan can put temptation in our way that leads us astray, that could wind us up in hell if we don't say yes to Jesus, if we don't trust in him. But I will never stand before Satan and him be my judge. The only person that can ever cast an individual into hell and judge them as God himself. He, he is the one that's referred to here. A lot of people have been misled by that and they misinterpret what's said. I'm not to fear people. I'm not even to fear Satan because the only thing Satan can do to me is cause my body to be killed. He cannot condemn me to hell. Only God could do that. And since I know Christ is my Savior, God won't do that. Because Jesus already paid for all of my sins and took my condemnation when he was on the cross. So we need to allow our fear of God to be the motivation, not our fear of people. Here's what someone might do to you. People might kill you. People can laugh at you. People can make fun of you. People can hurt your little feelings of your faith. People might even kill you and take your life because of your faith. But here is the deal with that. If you're a Christian, the only thing they've done is sent you to be in the presence of Jesus sooner than you thought. (laughs) I can think of a lot worse places to be. Amen? Hey, I'm going to stand for Jesus. If you don't like it, take my life. Guess what? I'm going to go on to be with Jesus. Paul said this. He said he was torn between two, whether to depart and go and be with the Lord or stay here, which he said was more needful. In other words, Paul was saying, I need to be involved in ministry here. But he said, I would rather go and be with the Lord because it's far better over there than it is here. So the only thing anyone might do if they persecute you to the point of death is simply this. They put you in a far better place for all eternity. That's why we don't need to fear people. Instead, We need to fear God because God's the one that is our 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 judge. And when I'm talking about persecution, I mean authentic persecution. Run a little side rabbit just for a minute again. Some people will have a bad week or bad things happen in their life, and they'll start talking about how persecuted they are. Some people will be sick. Oh, I'm persecuted. I'm just having a bad time. A lot of times people will blame the events they have brought upon themselves by their own actions, and they'll classify that as persecution. See, that's not persecution. Here's persecution. Persecution is something you face because of your stand for Jesus, period. And and we need to be willing to stand for him no matter, even if it could possibly cost us our own life. We need to fear God and not people. The very disciples of Jesus that he is talking to directly in this passage of Scripture. They will seal their testimony in their own blood. They believed what they believed to the point that before they would deny Christ, their life was taken many times in tragic ways. And yet they knew they were going to stand for Jesus and they'd already made that decision that they're going to stand for him. Martin Luther 
caught this, I think, in a song that he wrote. And I'm going to read to you a phrase out of a song that Martin Luther wrote. And it says, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth about us still. His kingdom is forever. Hey, you're not going to last forever in this world anyway. This world is not going to last in its current existence anyway. There's a new heaven and a new earth on the way. One of these days. So don't allow the fear of persecution to so paralyze you that you decide that you're going to fear people instead of fearing God. His kingdom is what's going to last, not your current existence. I'd rather know I'm going to be with Him forever <laughs> and stand for Him even if it costs me my life. I, I'm not trying to be prideful, I, you know, but I'm, I'm just saying this. God knows my heart. If ISIS shows up on my doorstep to take my life, I am not going to deny Christ. Now, I'm an ex-cop. I might take several of them with me. Although they're not going where I'm going. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to die before I deny Jesus. Fifth thing that we can glean from these words of Jesus that can help us when we're facing persecution is this. Instead of fear, we need to have faith in the love and care of God. Instead of being paralyzed and worried about what someone's thinking about you, what someone's saying about you because you're a Christian, even in the face of persecution, it might take your life. Instead of having fear, you need to have faith in the fact that God loves you. Jesus gives us two illustrations in these verses that are really, really good illustrations to help us see the love and the concern of God for us. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Now, here's the first illustration. Jesus is talking about two really small birds that could be bought very cheaply for a penny. Birds that could be bought for a penny. Two of them that could be bought for a penny. That don't sound like a very valuable bird, does it? Doesn't sound like there's a lot of worth or value invested in those. And yet, even though it's a little simple bird that you can buy two of for a penny, Jesus said this, Not one of them falls to the ground without the Father knowing about it. See, read out that illustration for a minute. If the Father is so intimately involved in His creation that He sees a bird fall from the air to the ground when it dies, how much more do you think He's concerned for you? How much more do you think He loves you? Jesus did not die for the birds of the air. Jesus died for us. Jesus died for you. And if God is so watchful over His creation that He knows, oops, there's a bird that fell, I guarantee you that He's concerned about even the smallest details in your life. Not just 
our salvation. Thank God for that. Not just where we'll spend eternity with Him, but He's concerned about your hurts. He's concerned about your pain. He's concerned about your discouragement. He's concerned about some of the smallest things that you would think God doesn't care about that at all. Listen, if God sees a bird fall to the ground, God is concerned about the very small, intimate details of your life because His Son died on a cross. If you want evidence that God loves you, look no further than the cross of Calvary because that's all the proof you need to know that God loves you. He gave a second illustration. I think God's got a sense of humor sometime. I think uh, somewhere in the past when this was being written, God said there's going to be a, a preacher have to stand on a stage without any hair and talk about this. Not only does God keep up with the birds, He said, there's not a single hair of your head that falls that he doesn't know about, that he doesn't keep count of. Now, some of you saw that I went a year or so without shaving my head and everything. I can grow pretty good hair here and here, not a lot up there. And uh, I just got to where I was sick and tired of messing with it. It feels better on a pillow short, does better under a motorcycle helmet short. Don't show up, show up looking like my hair is all over the place like that when I show up. So I view it like this. I've helped God out. He doesn't have to keep up with hair falling out of my head anymore. <laughs> but the point is this. There's not a hair that falls out of your head that God doesn't know. And if he pays attention to that, if he notices that, don't you think he cares? about every other detail in your life. He knows if someone's made fun of you because of your faith. He knows if someone's minimizing you because of your Christian faith. He knows the threat that you may feel because of that. He will know in advance if anyone would ever threaten to take your life because of your Christian faith. But here's the deal with all of that. Even if those things were to happen, even if you are to be threatened of your life, You ought to face it with this awareness. It's okay because I know the Father loves me. I know He cares for me. And He proved it at the cross when He sent His Son to die on the cross for my sins. Because God is aware of everything that happens to spare us and because He knows every tiny detail about us, including the hair on our heads being numbered, Jesus concludes that his followers don't ever need to be afraid. Sparrows will fall to the ground. God's people will die sometimes by being martyred, sometimes by being murdered. Yet we are so valuable to God that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, that perish doesn't talk about you'll never be persecuted. You'll never lose your life but to persecution. He's talking about, let them kill you. <laughs> you know, lose your life for my sake. Guess what? You've got eternal life. You'll never perish spiritually. You'll be in my presence forever. We don't need to allow our fear of persecution to cause us to go in a shutdown mode. We need to remember that the Father 
loves us. He sees the sparrow fall. He falls. He, he knows and controls everything that happens to us. God cares not only about the big problems and situations in our life, but God cares about the tiniest details in our life. Number six, lastly, we're looking at this statement that Jesus made to his disciples, and we're trying to find things that can encourage us and help us to face persecution correctly when it comes. And the last thing Jesus says is this, acknowledge me, and we need to acknowledge Christ instead of caving in to persecution. We need to acknowledge Christ instead of caving in to persecution. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who's in heaven. The Bible teaches two main roles that Jesus has there in heaven for us. One is he's our high priest. Being our high priest, that means he made the atonement for our sin. That's what he did on the cross. And he went back into the holies of holies. And somehow, I can't tell you how it happened, but I can tell you the Bible teaches this. Somehow his blood is deposited upon the holy of holies in heaven. He's our high priest. He paid the atonement for our sins. But not only is he our high priest and he has sealed something for us as far as our salvation goes, he's also our advocate with the Father. He's also the one who is there praying for us because even though we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we're still human and we will still fall and we will still let him down. And thank God when we do, he is there as our advocate. He is there representing us before the throne. He is there praying for us. So as we think about acknowledging Christ, where he says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. But if you don't acknowledge me before men, I'll not acknowledge you before the Father. We need to think of that in two ways. One is concerning salvation. Because you see, if you want Jesus to acknowledge you before the judgment seat of God, the only way that's going to happen is for you to trust Jesus as your Savior. And if you fail to trust Jesus as your Savior, if you fail to acknowledge Him as your Savior, trust in Him in this life, He will not acknowledge you before the Father. So this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to be really serious about this and recognize that if you want Jesus standing on your behalf one day before God in the day of judgment, the only way that's going to happen is for you to trust Him by faith now. And if you don't, He won't acknowledge you. But not only do we need to think about acknowledging Jesus concerning salvation, we, we also need to think about it concerning rewards. Acknowledging Jesus concerning rewards. For those of us that already know Christ as our Savior, when we face situations in our life, and in spite of the persecution, in spite of the circumstances, we still acknowledge Jesus. We still stand for Him. Jesus said, hey, as a believer... When you're doing that, guess what? I'm going to acknowledge you before the throne. I'm going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But on the other hand, as a believer, if you reel in your faith and go in a shell because you're fearing persecution, 
and you fail to communicate your Christian faith, and you fail to continue standing for Jesus because it looks like all the world is against Christianity. Jesus said, if you start becoming a secret disciple of mine, he, he said, you're, you're not losing your salvation. Don't misunderstand that. But you're going to lose rewards in heaven. And we need to consider acknowledging Jesus in both ways. See, a believer can deny the Lord and have restoration and forgiveness. Amen? Peter did it three times. And yet Jesus restored him, and Peter was used to spread the gospel. He was used to write two books in the New Testament. And I wanted to encourage you with that because here's the honest truth. <laughs> there have been times I've denied the Lord after I've received him. And if you'll be honest, there's been times you've denied him. Oh, you might not have come out and said, I reject him. I have nothing to do with him. Please don't kill me. That's all I'm talking about. But sometimes by our choices and by our decisions, we've denied him, haven't we? By the way we've lived, we've denied him. Thank God he's our advocate at the throne. Thank God there's forgiveness. But you need to recognize that persecution may come because Jesus said that it will come. And you need to understand instead of fear and persecution and reeling your faith in and trying to be a secret disciple, you need to be willing to stand for him even in the face of persecution. The only way a believer can escape certain types of conflict and certain types of persecution is to deny Jesus. See, I don't think you can fully escape conflict in this life. We live in a fallen world. There's going to be conflict and things like persecution. But the only way you can try and minimize it as a Christian will be if you start denying Jesus. And the problem with that is you're failing to acknowledge him, and that's a sin. I'd, I'd rather the whole world think bad of me than Jesus to think bad of me. Amen? And, and that's why in the face of persecution, we need to be willing to stand for him. A Roman historian, Tacitus, wrote this one time about Christians who were under Nero's persecution. He said, besides being put to death, they were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clad in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs and lions and other things. He's just describing one part of it. Some were boiled in oil until they died. Some had hot plates of iron that was heated and then strapped to their bodies until they died. Some were cast down rooftops on top of sharp sticks until they died some were crucified until they died but let's keep reading what he said others were crucified others were set on fire to serve to illuminate the night Nero sometimes would have garden parties in the evening at night. And he was known for taking Christians and mounting them on a pole alive, soaking them in oil, and lighting them and using that Christian to be a torch to light up his outside party.
That's what some Christians have faced rather than deny their faith. If I'm going to be used to illuminate the night, I want to illuminate the night of this world by standing for Jesus and sharing Jesus. Amen? But they were literally used to illuminate the darkness of the night so they could have a party by being burned on a stake alive. God forbid that any of us would ever have to face that type of persecution. And I'm not trying to be a spoil sport and be all down and out today or anything like that. But reality is, you think about it over the last 20 years. There's a much more negative connotation toward Christianity in the world that we live in today than there was in the past. And it seems to be getting increasingly worse. And just because some of us, and I'm part of the pre-tribulation rapture crowd, I believe that's what's going to happen. I don't think I will be here through the great tribulation. I think God will take out believers first, and I think we're coming back seven years later on a white horse with Him to set things straight. But that's no guarantee that you won't face persecution. See, that's talking about the church as a whole. What about the believers in the Middle East today that are losing their heads for their faith? There's no guarantee that you will not face persecution. That's why we need to be prepared for it before it comes. Jesus said, have no fear of them. Instead, what we ought to do is this. In the face of persecution, we need to hold dearly to our faith in Christ. So just to give you the big picture, and then we're going to have this thing at church we call an invitation. Just to remind you of some good reasons why we don't need to fear those that might persecute us. One is this, expect it to happen. Jesus said it's going to happen. If you expect it, it won't be nearly as hard on you as you deluding yourselves into thinking, oh, that's never happened to me. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. Everything's going to be good in my life. See, Satan really wants you to believe that. So when everything isn't good in your life, you get really discouraged and mad at God. (laughs) Jesus warned you up front, if they hated him, they'll hate you. Number two, don't have any fear of persecution because one day everyone and everything will be exposed. No matter what someone has done, how they mistreat you because of your faith, one day God will make it right. Number three, don't allow the fear of persecution to silence your Christian voice. We have been left here to proclaim the gospel. We've been left here to carry forth the mission of the gospel, not to worry about what people might think about us. We'll be more concerned about what God thinks about us. Fear God and not people. Instead of fear, have faith in the love and care of God. Whatever it is you might face and go through, remember that God loves you. Acknowledge Christ instead of caving in to persecution. In the passage of Scripture I read that bracketed the front part of our focal passage today, Jesus talked about taking up your cross and following Him. I've heard people really abuse that passage before. Well, I've been sick for two or three years now. It's just my cross to bear. 
I've been unemployed, can't find a job, but that's just my cross to bear. No, that's greatly minimizing what Jesus meant. Jesus carried a cross up a hill, was nailed to it, and died for our sins. Carrying a cross for Him means that you bear forth His banner, you bear forth His standard, you bear forth His gospel in spite of what's going on around you. In spite of what the world says. In spite of the threat of temptation. Think think about it like this. Jesus died shamefully and publicly on a cross for us. Surely to goodness, we can at least stand for Him and live for Him. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we admit to You, we're, we're fearful sometimes because of what we see in our world. We're fearful sometimes because of what others may say or what other people may think about Christians and Christianity. Father, I pray this morning that you help us to make commitments that we're going to stand for you no matter what comes. That we're not going to fear people, that we're going to be more concerned about what you think than what anybody else thinks. We're going to be more concerned about what you have done for us in Christ than what anybody might do to us through persecution. So, Father, help us today to make these commitments to you that we'll always stand, no matter what comes. Father, we want to pray for Christians who are being persecuted across the world. Father, we want to pray for those in the Middle East and other places that are in danger, even this morning, of losing their lives. Father, help us to be so concerned for them. Help us to be prayerful each and every day of our lives for believers who are in dangerous places across the world, for missionaries who are in dangerous places across the world. And Father, we pray if it's your will, you'll preserve them from the persecution. You'll protect them from the persecution. But Father, if that's not your will, we pray their testimony would be like a flaming fire in this world that people will see and will gain the attention of of a world that we live in, that people so love Jesus because He so loved them that they're willing to seal their testimony, if necessary, with their own lives. Father, I know there are people here that have many challenges, things that they're going through that they've been dealing with. Father, I just pray You help them during this invitation to bring those things to You. Help us to listen for your spirit to talk to us now. Help us to be obedient to what you call us to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, come back to what I said about acknowledging Christ before men. If you've never done that, if you've never trusted Christ, He will not acknowledge you before the throne. You will stand in judgment and you'll stand in eternal punishment because you said no to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that trying to scare you. I'm trying to be your friend. I'm trying to tell you the truth. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, why not come today and say publicly, I want to stand for Jesus. I don't care what anybody else thinks or says. And those of us that have already done that, that already know Christ as our Savior, maybe it'd be a good day for you 
whether standing there in prayer or coming to kneel and to just say, God, by your grace, by your mercy, by your help, I'm going to stand for you no matter what because your son died for me. And then maybe you may feel led to come and pray and to say, God, be with Christians who are being persecuted. Be with Christians who may lose their lives today across this world. Protect them if you can, but God, make them stand for you proudly. Please stand. God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.